Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. Now, last week, we left off with a quote from Earl Polk, one of the false teachers we've been discussing. I'm going to read that quote to kind of pick up where we left off. So in your article, uh, you say this, we cannot even hope in the return of Christ, according to some. Earl Polk writes, until the church exercises her authority, Jesus Christ will never return. That sounds pretty hopeless to me. Well, but it exalts these false teachers who are, are turn into the hope. Wow. Because we got to do our job, otherwise Jesus is stuck. So, our, you know, our hope needs to be in Christ. If our hope is in other Christians, we're going to be disappointed every time. I know. And he wrote a book, this Polk. Okay. Held in the heavens until. Okay. And just this morning to refresh myself, because some of this goes back to the 80s. Yes. And I wrote on it again in 2007 when I wrote about New Apostolic Reformation. Okay. And so this morning in preparation for what I knew we were going to talk about. I did a little more research because this goes back a while. Okay. And it turns out that there's been all sorts of scandals. And if you just look up Earl Polk from Georgia and uh, 2007, there was a big scandal. I mentioned in an article I wrote and that all kind of blew up. But in the eighties, there was this idea, Oh, the Christians are going to be able to take dominion. Okay. And he had all the same doctrines, and that's why I cited him in this article that I wrote back in 1998, that the little gods, the dominion theology, the fivefold ministry, and these Latter-day apostles and prophets with new revelations, they're the ones who are going to bring back Christ by first taking dominion for him. Wow. Okay, so do they have scripture that they use to support this claim? Well, they have lots of them all uh, misinterpreted and misused. Okay. And they talk about the power of unity. It's, I'm assuming our readers have heard that one. Okay, so then my question would be in, in Acts 1, when the disciples are asking about when the kingdom is going to come, what's Jesus' answer? It's not for you to know the times and epochs that are fixed by the Father's authority. That's right. So here's what's important. We need to just go by Scripture. And Acts 1 says the times and epochs are fixed by the Father's authority. Right. And then he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that's a promise. Okay. Okay. One of the things that are really misleading a lot of people is the idea that God is limited by us and he wants to do things, but the church never gets her act together. Okay. And so the power of the Holy Spirit that was 
poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Yes. Was, that really was a response to a promise that God made back in Joel. Okay. And so Polk back in his day and the word of faith people and the dominionists, they're saying that everything's in our camp. And if we don't do it right, Christ is stuck in heaven. Wow. And so this really isn't right. And so I here in preparation for this, I printed out Acts 2, 14 through 24. There's a lot to read. Okay. But let me show you what this says and then tell, contrast this to what the false teachers say. All right. So we got oh. Acts 2 starting at verse 14. Right. And remember, they asked when, and Jesus says, not for you to know. Right. Six by the Father. Okay. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right. So there's a fixed time. Keep that in mind. Okay. But in Acts 2.14, after that happened, and God poured out his spirit, Peter got up and spoke. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour. This is what is spoken of through the prophet Joel. Now they had spoken in tongues, declared the mighty deeds of God. People heard things in their own languages. It's a mighty work. Now, what was that? Well, it was from Joel. Joel 2, 28-32. Okay. God keeps his promises. Yes. Let me just quote a little bit of that, and then we'll see. We'll drop down and look at the sovereignty of God. Okay. Acts 2.17, and it shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, I've written about that too. Okay. The calling of every believer. This doesn't mean they give new revelations. Right. God is pouring out his spirit on all who believe. Okay. Yeah. Because not everyone was saved on a day of Pentecost. Right. Okay. And this was a work of God in keeping his promises. Okay. And so Peter attributed this to God keeping his promise. So they wanted to know, now is the kingdom restored to Israel? Right. The answer is not for you to know the times and epochs fixed by the Father's authority. Okay. God will do that. That's future. Yes. So what happens on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit is poured out, and it wasn't just on Jews. It wasn't just on men. It was on whoever was there. Now, in this case, it was Jews, but only those who believed. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that's all talked about in the rest of Acts 2 and 3 and so on in this part of the narrative. And so then there's some other things talked about that haven't happened yet. Okay. Blood, the moon, and the stars, and so on. But in Acts 2.21, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Amen. Now there's the universal call of the gospel. Okay. And so the church age begins at Pentecost and it goes till the rapture. Right. And then the tribulation and then the, the rule of Christ from Jerusalem for a thousand years over Israel. Okay. Now, a lot of people reject that for one reason or another. But these people, like Earl Polk and the Dominionists and the various versions of this, they're saying the problem isn't that God fixed a time. The problem isn't that we're in the church age and God is saving people out of it who are going to be citizens of the kingdom. The problem is that God wants us to take dominion over everything and have this massive unity, and then, as Polk said, held in the heavens until, then he comes back. Okay. So then in that system, what is our unity in? Well, the unity that they're trying to produce is described in a lot of different ways. Okay. Okay. The Reconstructionists that I've written about, they say... We just force everybody. Certain people are going to take control over America and force everybody to obey the law of Moses and some of the things from the New Testament. Right. I, I think that's what we see in, in the current version of post-millennialism that's really spreading in reform circles right now. Right. And so, but Polk was a part of the charismatic renewal. Okay and associated with the word of faith teaching. Yeah. And at that time in the 80s, there was a lot of people thinking, well, maybe this is going to happen. Uh, no, I'm old enough to remember how bad the 70s were. And, <laughs> okay. Okay. And there was all this hopelessness, despair, 15% interest rate to, to buy a home that nobody could afford. Jimmy Carter was famous for his malaise speech. Yeah. Really bad. I don't know what's going to happen. And then people thought, well, there's hope because now uh, we have a different president. We had uh, the inflation started to go down. The interest rates started to go down. America be began to prosper. And so now we have people wanting to do this back in the late 80s. Okay. And I saw all that. Yeah. But the question is, is America the key to Bible prophecy? We don't even see America in Bible prophecy other than perhaps just described as the nations. Right. We're one of the nations. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not discounting God's providence in raising up nations. Uh, he used the Roman Empire in the first centuries. In a right. sense that there was a system of communication, travel, uh, ability to have at least enough law and order, even though there was a lot of wickedness, for Paul to travel, the apostles to travel, and for the gospel to spread. Yes. And we can look back and see that God's used America to make it possible for the gospel to be spread all around the world. But sadly, what happens is, America, which is one of the nations, forgets what the gospel is. Right. And so the churches in America end up being the propagators of heresy all over the world. Exactly. 
And this has just been constant. And so now you have to wonder, well, where is all this? Held in the heavens until Earl Paul. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, we cited earlier in this series, he's still alive. He hasn't changed his views. Right. And the idea that humans are just exactly like God in some sense, or exact representation of God, that we cited earlier in this article from Kenneth Copeland. Well, Earl Paul caught that too in the late 80s. Okay. So the word of faith the charismatic renewal, the dominionist, the false teaching from this Earl Polk got together and think, now we're going to have unity. Now, just today or the last few days, I've got an email from someone who was saying that the day of Pentecost was caused because they were in unity. Wow. Well, okay, how, how, how do we, one, explain what that means and two, refute it? Well, they're taking something incidental earlier in Acts 2. They were okay. all in one place in prayer. And they make that the cause of everything. Okay. Okay. Now, here's something I want to read on. I just printed this out here from Acts this morning, knowing we're going to talk about this. Okay. Well, let's see what Peter said. Did Peter say, well, see what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. And that's what happens when you're in unity? Wow. No, Peter said, Joel 2, 28 to 32, was fulfilled. Yeah, so right. God keeps his promises. He did send Messiah. Messiah did die for sins. He was raised from the dead. He did appear to many witnesses. They talked to him personally in the flesh before his ascension and asked him if this is the time to restore the kingdom to Israel. Right. As we said. But he said, no, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay. He sent it into heaven. They saw it. Now, what yeah. happened? Joel 2, 28 32 was fulfilled. Wow. Not because finally they had unity, but because God kept his promise. Yes. It was promised in Joel. Jesus promised it, and it happened, and then Peter cited Joel 2. But furthermore, here's another one that we have to do before we finish this, this uh, session that we're doing right now. Let's read on. Okay. Why should people believe the promises of God? Acts 2.22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and signs and wonders, which God performed through him in your midst, just you yourselves know. Now, let's stop right there. The false teachers are saying anybody that has enough faith can do anything Jesus did and even greater miracles. Right. So we are going to come back in a future episode and talk about that. Right. So rather than giving God the glory and preaching Christ, it always ends up for these false teachers. Look how great we are. Right. But that's not what Peter said. Peter yeah. said this, this Jesus, and then talked to the, them about who he was. 
And then he went on and preached the gospel, proving that Jesus was the Messiah from Old Testament scripture. But look at verses 23 and 24. Okay. Acts 2, 23 and 24. This should put the end to all this false teaching about man has to do something before Jesus can ever come back. Okay. Okay. Other than preach the gospel, and then God determines when that happens. Yes. Acts 2.23. This man, who? Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. They witnessed it. God did the miracles. God raised him from the dead. Comes up later. Delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. So this puts the power and authority in God's hands. Yes. And this wasn't just, well, Satan finally got the better of Jesus and killed him. Right. This was the very plan of God. And Peter will go on and prove that. If you go back to the Old Testament, and Jesus bears the curse for us. Okay. So let's read out. This wasn't because they finally came into unity. God executed his plan. Okay. You nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So he indicted his listeners by saying, you're, you're implicated. We all are. Right. right? Mm -hmm. This wasn't some cosmic accident. This wasn't man finally getting uh, their, their act together. It's guilty sinners both Romans mocked Jesus, Jews mocked Jesus. They didn't want a crucified Messiah. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. But God raised him from the dead, just as Jesus predicted he'd be raised. Yes. Shed his blood for sins. The just for the unjust. He died, the just for the unjust. Peter preached this. Okay. You nailed to the cross by the hand of godless men and put him to death. But, verse 24, God raised him again. There's the resurrection of the dead. Yes. The resurrection of Christ in particular. And way back when I was in Bible college, my teacher that I uh, learned Greek from pointed out that every sermon in the book of Acts mentions the resurrection of Christ. Right. Yeah. So, we're talking about Polk held in the heavens until, well, we know that he's discredited. He died, I think in 2012. And there's all kinds of problems here. Anybody can Google that and find it out. I just did this morning again. Okay. Right. My facts straight, but these claims are just silly. Right. It couldn't be any more unbiblical. Yeah. And I can't understand why people believe it. God raised him again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him, that is Christ, to be held in his power. Okay. So what do we learn? Number one, God allows evil. God uses evil. God overcomes evil for a greater good. And in this case, the greater good is making it possible that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be 
safe. Amen. So I wonder why people want to be little gods, power of unity. We're going to be the ones. Why, why do people gravitate to that? Knowing anybody that's just a little bit um, realistic about what our own lives have been like. Yeah. Does anybody that's hearing this think, oh, I could see it all along. I'm a little God. No. And, you know, I was just thinking too, this reminds me, we talked quite a bit in the previous series about trying to determine spiritual truth, truth based on circumstances. We can't look around this world and evil in this world and things going on and make a spiritual determination from it. You know, that there are troubles and that there is wickedness and that, you know, this is just a hard life. That right. doesn't mean that the church has fumbled away their authority. We first of all, we didn't have that authority to start with, but but it God is sovereign. He's using all of these things. It's all working according to His plan, and we just need to trust Him for the outcome. Believe the promises of God, and because I continue to get emails, and I like getting them because it shows me the stuff that I was writing about thirty years ago, or even before that, still going on. Right. It just comes back around again. Yeah, next year will be 30 years we've published Critical Issues Commentary. Wow. And the same issues are still out there. Yeah. And I ask myself, why do people keep hearing these things and thinking maybe it's right? And I've had some people that have been pretty honest with me. Okay. And they finally said, well, I think I'll keep trying these other things because I'm afraid I'll still have these symptoms. Right. Or I might, I might not get healed. Mm -hmm. And so people put their trust in this idea that if I believe that I'm healed, even though there's all these symptoms, I will be healed and I speak words and I believe my own words and so on. And I find out which curse caused it. I find out what generational curse I'm under, find out what demon's doing what, or I find out how to get unity, then all this will get better. Because the idea that God has an eternal plan, that he's working things according to his purposes, even though that includes evil, which we just read, that's not even part of any of this theology. Right. Well, it is a very man-centered theology. It is. And I've been around long enough to see people that believe that get old and end up on their deathbed, which everybody does unless the rapture happens first, which it hasn't. And they are just in, at times beside themselves in fear when they should have hope, they should have confidence. And so young people hear these things, think I can do it. I'm gonna go with this one. Yeah. I'm gonna break the curse. I'm going to cast out the demon. I'm going to find out the hidden memory. I'm going to get into unity with other people that have some power to do things. And then when they get old and it doesn't work and they're on their deathbed, instead of hope and joy and comfort, knowing that they're going to be with the Lord, they have many sorrows. And it shouldn't be that way. No. And I've been there and visited people years past. And other another pastor, 
that I was working with, the two of us, he was a senior pastor, did that a lot of times because there were so many people that heard those things. And let me, as we close this, let me contrast that with one other story. Okay. Later on, we met a man who hadn't heard those things and he'd been saved, I think in the 1930s or 40s. Okay. World War II um, when he was too old by fudging his age because he wanted to go to war. Wow. And he's a man who never owned a car. Um, the most simple, basic, never had air conditioning in the house. Mm -hmm. Or a catalpa tree to try, try to stay cool. And I remember the week before he died, we had a little prayer meeting. Somebody brought him. And all he knew was this. He said, I know I failed God in many ways, but it's all under the blood. Wow. Wow. That is powerful. I know. And then we, within a week, he was with the Lord. Wow. Yeah, he never really had much of anything. That doesn't make him more pious. It's just he was the life he knew and he was happy. Yeah. And the people that believe the grandiose claims, they don't know what went wrong. Right. But this uh, brother, his name was Harold Smith, said he knew what was wrong. We have a sin nature. Yeah. And what we have is forgiveness of sins. And he knew he had that. Yep. So, dear listeners, are you going to believe all of this and try to take charge and break the right curse, cast out the right demon, take dominion? And then when you still aren't living in paradise, Jesus is still stuck in heaven and it's your fault. Where's your comfort going to come from? Right. It's, it's got to be in the promises of God. Exactly. We need to get those right, too, because people say, well, the promise of God is if you're a Christian and you have enough faith, then you shouldn't be sick. Wow. So let's get the promises right. Let's trust God. And we will have the comfort of the assurance that God has taken care of us. Jesus died for our sins. We trust him. We believe him, but we don't put our trust in man. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.